once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me on this Tuesday, August 25th edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for the next half hour or so as we chat with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We'll talk NHL playoffs. We'll talk FedEx Cup playoffs with the BMW Championship. And we'll talk NASCAR as they finish up the regular season at Daytona with the Coke Zero Sugar 400. And then they start their playoffs next week. So I guess it's kind of a playoff-friendly edition here of Bang the Book Radio. As you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio, presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook, BTB, and the number 200 is that promo code, 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook, 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. You can bet on those games with all the content we have over at bangthebook.com, daily MLB picks and tips, BMW Championship piece is up, working on the NASCAR preview for this weekend. We've got NBA stuff. We've got NHL playoff stuff. We'll have Kentucky Derby write-ups for you as well. Plenty of things going on over at bangthebook.com. And lots of stuff going on in the world of Brian Blessing. Once again, from Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline, at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Brian, how's it going today, man? Outstanding, uh, Adam. How you doing, buddy? Uh, Loving the the hockey, the hoops, the baseball. Uh, car racing, uh, golf. Car racing was exceptionally fun this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it was. How about you hitting the winner of the Indy 500 there? I love that kid. Uh, that that um, the, the Takuma Sato. I, I honestly, Adam, we talked about this last week. I was heartbroken, heartbroken. He qualified so good. I mean, I, if he'd have started thirty third at about, you know, he's, he qualified on the first row and he was sixteen to one and qualifying and race trim are two different things. You know, if he, if he qualified in the middle of row seven, he'd have been 30 to one, you know, but 16 to one for a guy who was in the front row. And actually I feel, I felt lucky caught a break. He had the race one, I believe. And then there was the accident and that, that would have been Armageddon if they'd have red flagged the race and you know, started all over. Dixon probably would have passed him on the restart. So, uh, he's driving, those are the longest five laps of my life when he's going, don't run out of gas, <laughs> but well, that I'm kid, glad. he's nuts. He either wrecks or wins. There's no two ways about it. He's just, he's a wild man. Well, I'm definitely glad it worked out for you here. And, uh, we will talk NASCAR a little bit later on in the show as we got a race at Daytona, which I'm sure, you know, will be a typical Daytona race, uh, as we're getting ready for the playoffs here, but Speaking of the playoffs, the NHL playoffs, as you mentioned, going pretty well here. couple of interesting results last night. I don't think it's surprising that the Islanders won, but the Islanders were dominant in that game last night against the Philadelphia Flyers, won 4 to nothing, outscored Philadelphia 3 nothing at 5-on-5, five five. and Barry Trotz is a magic man. I mean, this guy just gets it, doesn't he? Well, the crazy thing is, I bet a future on the Islanders in February, and then they were they were as soon as I bet them they were terrible. I mean they were on the fast track to not even make the playoffs, and we said there'll be teams that come in and embrace this thing and do good things. Uh, believe me, that ticket is live now, uh, and it, it literally I had taken a big lighter to it. I have been all about Colorado all year long, and honestly, I, injuries are part of the Stanley Cup. So I don't think they're necessarily dead yet, but I, it's 
almost an excuse kind of thing. It's one thing they lose game one to Dallas, and they were killing them in game two and up 2 nothing. But they unraveled on a five-on-three. They gave up two goals, and then Dallas just ate them up. And I thought I thought Colorado-Vegas was a gut cinch in the Western Conference Final. Dallas looks good. And from the eyeball test right now, here's your Hollywood subplot. Vegas in the final again, and they're going against Barry Trotz again, except this time he's on the Islanders. I this Islander team's a midful. I mean, maybe I, I think the Islanders could be more dangerous for Tampa Bay if they play Boston. It's almost like they're looking at themselves in the mirror when they play Boston, with the difference being Boston has that great first line. So that might be the rugged matchup for the Islanders. But boy, they're it's it's impressive. They just get in, they get the lead and they get in your grill and shut you down. Well, and I, I think the most amazing thing, you know, with that Colorado and Dallas series here, Colorado's got two goals, five on five. Dallas has seven. And Dallas is a team that was very good five on five defensively during the regular season. They were not good offensively. In fact, only the Detroit Red Wings scored fewer five on five goals than the Dallas Stars. And Detroit was easily far and away the worst team in the NHL. This Dallas offense that has all of a sudden come alive here uh, in these playoffs, it's got to be the most shocking development here to this point. Yeah, and they look pretty indifferent for the longest time. And by the way, they're doing this without Ben Bishop. That's why I'm sitting there going, you can't sit there and say, oh, Grubauer's out and Johnson's out. Uh, The guy that really hurts not being there, I believe, for Colorado, too, is, is Calvert. But Dallas is was this team, hey, with Ben Bishop, they have a chance against anybody. Well, Bishop's not playing, and they're doing just fine. Um, they're getting some some serious, solid goaltending. Uh, it, it's interesting. you got to give them full marks. I, would, I, give, I still give Colorado a puncher's chance here. There's just too much speed and ability on this team. And Bednar's a good coach. He's going to have to make some serious adjustments. But Dallas is is, is kind of a, on top of the, the skill they have and the size. Uh, they've done a good job, and I think where they're really giving Colorado fits, they're terrorizing McCarr and Gerard, the young defensemen. Uh, th- these guys, you can't hit what you can't catch. I got news for you. They're catching them, and they're slowing them down on the blue line. Now, there's no slowing McKinnon down, but he can't do it himself. So we take a look here at the Tuesday night matchups and Boston and Tampa Bay. I mean, game one, pretty even for the most part. Tampa Bay, based on expected goals, was the better team at five on five. But Boston does come away with the win. Boston played a very good first period. Tampa played an excellent second period. Couldn't score on their 18 shots against Yaroslav Halak. They get the two goals in the third period, but it winds up not being enough. But obviously, you've got a narrative here rolling into game two of for the final 40, Tampa was the better team. Boston won because they played a good first period. They managed to hold on. What do you think happens here tonight in game two? Do you see any of that stuff carrying over? I would envision Tampa Bay comes back uh, with a big effort here. But boy, the, the price is right. I mean, uh, you know, thinking you don't want to f- fall down 0-2 uh, that you might see. You know, Tampa Bay minus 30, minus 40, not the case. I, I, I think Tampa Bay 
comes back with a pretty spirited effort. Tampa Bay without Ryan McDonough tonight. I did see that. He's actually not going to be in the lineup for them. And, of course, you know, missing Steven Stamkos, that's that's not a fun thing. There's a chance he could come back for the conference finals if they wind up getting there. But now they've got to win four out of six against the Boston team that was in line for the President's Trophy, uh, you know, before everything got shut down. I do want to ask the difference between Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. We talked about it a little bit a minute ago with the difference between Ben Bishop and Anton Hudobin. Tuka Rask was maybe the best goaltender, maybe the Vesna Trophy winner. Uh, yeah, maybe Connor Hellebuck would have won it. But Tuka Rask was right there during the regular season. He opts out. They go to Halak, who's obviously a very capable backup. But do you feel like at some point in this series, we see that difference between Rask and Halak kind of hurt the Bruins, or are they just too good? Well, I mean, who was Jordan Bennington before last year? You know, the guy's playing good. That's all there is to it. It's a goalie that's playing good. Uh, and he, he honestly could start for a dozen teams in the NHL. Uh, no. And, and honestly, the Rask thing energized and galvanized this team. They were kind of treading water. They have turned it on since Rask's departure. Hockey, you know, the the intangibles in hockey are, are, to me, so much more impactful than other sports. By the way, I, I don't even know what was the thing, and I'm not, don't get mad at me, I ain't shooting holes at you. Well, what was the thing you said before? Expected what? Expected goals for. Yeah, great, whatever. Uh, okay, okay. All right. analytics in hockey. Throw it out the window. All right. Game one, the Golden Knights. Ryan Reeves had a 31.58 Corsi. Antoine Roussel had a 76.92 Corsi. One of the keys to the game was Ryan Reeves taking Roussel out of the game and and hit the fourth line carrying play to the point where they rewarded the fourth line to play 14 minutes. It was they were one of they, well, I mean Vegas put the Sasquatch foot on them, but inside that game one of the major determining factors was what Vegas's fourth line did. But if you read a box score, told you that Reeves had a 31% Corsi and Roussel had a 76% Corsi, you'd think the Canucks won the game by four. Uh, you know, yeah, analytics in hockey, take a big lighter to it. Well, I'll respectfully disagree with you there on that one. I think there are a lot of stats that do have a significant impact. You talk about things like, High danger chances. You talk That's about the one. That's the only one. See, the NHL has made this egregious. They just they will not change. Shots on goal mean nothing. A team could outshoot a team forty to ten, and the team that had ten shots on goal could have been the better team in the game by a country mile because they had four shots that hit a post and five shots from the high slot that just went wide. They had all the quality scoring chances. That's the only one. Quality scoring chances. The rest of it is hot garbage. Again, I, I will respectfully disagree. Uh, but you know, I mean, look, that was that was a big thing for Vegas. You know, they had eleven high danger scoring chances. Vancouver with six of them. Robin Leonard played well when he had to. Certainly wasn't called upon a ton in Game One. Do you think anything changes in Game Two tonight, where Vegas is more than a two dollar favorite? Well, if, if Vancouver doesn't win tonight, they're getting swept. Uh, and Vancouver, you could say it was a one-off, and it was a new series, and you had a bad night. 
the thing is, you have a soap opera going on here with the Mark Andre Fleury, Robin Leonard thing, and Vegas used that. I'm guaranteeing you as a, a rallying cry, and they said, "Listen, they went out and murdered these guys. Like, go ahead, we just killed these guys. You want to ask us about the Fleury Leonard controversy? Please. The players don't want to hear it. They're there for one reason. So that was a between the lines thing that was part of the game, and then Vancouver." It just it was a flawed mentality where Roussel before the game is is yammering at Leonard, even bumped into Leonard, and I'm like, you're you're messing with the wrong guy. This guy's a mixed martial arts guy who loves to engage in battles, and and then Vegas turned it around on him. They had the last change in the game, so this guy's trying to stir the pot, and every shift DeBoer put Ryan Reeves out there. To the point where he got right his face. Go, okay, you're 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 talking a great game. I'm here. What are you going to do about it? He did nothing. And Reeves is sitting on the bench, cluck cluck cluck, calling him a chicken all night. And Vegas is laughing at them. So Vancouver's got one adjustment to make. That's turn the game into a track meet and pray to God that Markstrom can steal games. But if it's more of the same tonight, this is a sweep. I mean, is it is it going to be more of the same? I mean, can Vancouver uh, Van, Vancouver made great adjustments late in the series against St. Louis, but St. Louis doesn't have the offense that Vegas has. Vegas can play a defensive game when they want to, but they just keep coming and overwhelm you offensively. The Blues can't do that, and I think that's the recipe for an upset. A team that can't generate a lot of offensive chances, you can beat. A team where you're going to be chasing them around the ice the whole night, you can't. And I think that's Vancouver's problem. I don't know what exactly they can do differently here in game two or in the rest of the series. Well, they got to open it up. I mean, they, they got to try to gotta, win slugfests. No, no, they tried the physical thing and they got laughed at. So now they've got to turn it into a track meet. And and listen, Besser, Horvat, uh, Miller's a, a great player. They've got to turn it into a track meet and hope their skill guys can generate some offense, and their goalies got to steal games. But across the board, Vegas is the deeper team. And I, I just, I, that, in terms of messages sent, the first game was like, you got one shot to turn this around, and it's in game two. And if, you're going to get Vancouver's best shot tonight, and then we'll see what adjustments Green makes. I mean, I, I'm just saying, Vancouver can make it a series tonight, and at least get Vegas's attention. But if it's more of the same, this is going to be short. And the thing with Vegas, I mean, listen, I mean, I'm no Vegas, you know, Homer. I could care less. I thought, I thought Colorado was going to beat them. Now Colorado's all banged up. Colorado may not even get to them, but I'm telling you, they roll four lines at you. And this fourth line, now they've got Chandler Stevenson, who's capable of playing on the second line, centering the fourth line. And the guy, the forward who's playing better than anybody is Alex Tuck on the third line. You know, I mean, they've, they, get, they can generate offense from all four lines. It's, it's what St. Louis did last year to win a cup. They rolled four lines. And Vegas has four solid lines. All right, so we transition over to the BMW Championship here as we talk a little bit of FedEx Cup playoffs. And, this will uh, be short. I'm just telling you, this will be short. Fair enough. I mean, I mean you, you you know you want to. I hope you got other notes for other stuff to talk about because we're wasting a lot of time if we talk about anything other than one thing. All right. Well, I got some guys I do like this week, but I, yeah. I will tell you this: I've played a lot of Golden Tee in my life. 
I've played a lot of Tiger Woods golf games in my life. I don't remember if I've ever shot 30 under. Dustin Johnson was absurd last week at TPC Boston. Okay, next, he wins. It's that simple? He wins again? Yep. And you know me. You know me. I do know you. You're right. You know me. I mean, I, I, I here. I, you want a couple of guys? I mean, we just for the sake. You, you want to go do something? Knock yourself out? Uh, I mean, there are quite a few guys I like. I mean, I, I think Dustin. Well, again, when, when you talk about this course here at Olympia Fields, and you know, the interesting thing about this course is that look, we haven't seen a lot of play here. The last time a PGA Tour event was here was 2003. There are some collegiate and amateur events, which will be guy. talked about a lot. Bryson DeChambeau won the That's U.S. It. Amateur. In the Illini Invitational, uh, Matthew Wolf won that when he was at Oklahoma State. Cameron Champ won that. Uh, Colin Morikawa has played well in that a couple of times. Maverick McNeely won that when he was at Stanford. There are some guys that have collegiate experience here, but the way this course is expected to be set up, it's a bomber's course, which is why you like DJ. Small greens, and also they're saying the rough could be upwards of five inches on Thursday let alone where it might be on Sunday. Oh, good. So he, he wins by more. Course. He wins by more. <laughs> it, look, uh, Daniel Berger of the guys in the top flight, Daniel Berger is playing the best golf. All right, 22-1. to 1. I'm rooting for Horschel to have a good week. I give him a pass for last week after the near miss the week before. Uh, I've got a future on Horschel for the FedEx Cup, so I hope he has a good week and at least get to East Lake with a puncher's chance. The one guy I would take a shot with who I usually just ignore but think this could be kind of a week where he steps up is Victor Hovland at 35-1. to He shot a 27 on the front nine Sunday and then had a bad back nine. But this kid can go low. You know, it would be one of these things where maybe – you know, like, who, okay, who's pulling Harris English out of a hat to be the guy that, that was, you know, in the final group? So if I'm trying to find that guy this week, I'm going to say it's it's Victor Hovland. But Adam, 30 under par, he shot 60 on Friday. He should have, he could have, this is no joke, he could have shot 57. He He's nine under through nine. And he, he he had a couple of wedges that came up, you know, 20 feet instead of eight. I mean, he literally, he squandered 59. But then through the entire weekend, he's jumping up on the tee. And he's piping at 315 down the middle every time. He's one of the, Dustin Johnson is one of the best five wedge players in the game. I mean, what Rory, Rory McIlroy would sell his soul to the devil to have Dustin Johnson's wedge game. DeChambeau would do the same thing. He won in a marquee event with a lot on the line by 11 shots. And 80% of what he did last week wins this tournament by three. I, You know, he is back. If you remember... If you remember whatever it was, was it three, about three years ago, there was a time when Dustin Johnson, he's number one in the world again, he was just killing them. And when you go to Augusta, you're always, to me, you want a guy that can draw the ball or play a left-hander because the course is not set up for guys that play a power fade. 
If you remember the one year in there, he was killing them. He was throttling guys. And he went to the Masters, and he was the monster favorite to win the Masters. He's playing so good, nobody's got a shot, and he fell down the stairs and didn't play. He's back to that. It's not a fair fight. I mean, it, it's honest to God. It's not. That was the, the most impressive thing I've seen in a long time, um, what he did last week. And I, you're telling me the rough's going to be even higher, and it's a bomber's course, and this guy's driver is nothing but center cut every time? Turn the page. I mean, you're, you're going to make money in matchups this week. I yeah, mean, I, I think that's that's a good way to attack it. And also, too, this is a course where you know you kind of look at the breakdown of the course, and there are quite a few holes that kind of slant a little bit to the left off the tee, which again plays towards the strengths of Dustin Johnson. And you know, an eight to one. I mean, yeah, it's tough to go ahead and take eight to one, but sounds like you've made your mind up on on doing that here this week. There are a couple of guys I'll throw out there. I also like Daniel Berger this week, 22-1. to 1. Uh, He played really well last week. That was obscured by you know how good DJ was. I think Tony Finau is an interesting guy this week. He also hits the ball a long way, 33-1 to 1 for him. When you talk about this course, it is purely a ball strikers course. A lot of strokes gained off the tee will be talked about in handicapping circles this week. Strokes gained approach, always very important. These are smaller greens, though. So the guys that are ball strikers that don't putt very well may have a better chance this week. You mentioned Victor Hoblin. He's one of those types of guys. Great ball striker, can't putt worth a damn. Hideki Matsuyama, great ball striker, can't putt worth a damn. Finau is the same kind of player. His putter is not great, but he's excellent off the tee, pretty good on approach. Scotty Scheffler is another guy that's a pretty pure ball striker. So I'm kind of looking at guys like that here this week that Maybe don't putt overly well, but they're very, very good off the tee. And if they can stick some iron shots, they'll put themselves in good shape. One last thing about Berger. On the PGA Tour this year, the best scrambling percentage. Better than anybody else. That's why Berger is my favorite play at 22-1 to here. But I can't argue with DJ at all. Well, the Berger thing on full display, they had the rain delay. I don't know if you watched when they came back out. They had the rain delay. There were six six of them left on the course, and they're playing basically in the dark. But Berger's on 18 down in the bowl, and no one, I mean no one, got up and down from down there. No one. And he's sitting there, needs to get up and down for birdie to finish solo third in a FedEx Cup playoff event. I'm, I don't know. My guess is he probably made in the neighborhood of six or 700000 bucks. So... Him getting up and down there was probably worth three hundred, four hundred thousand bucks, and he comes in and I don't know takes an eight iron or whatever off his back foot, hits a line drive into the hill, and the thing pops up in the air six feet from the hole. He makes it. It was incredible, and the, the drama then was Louis Oosthuizen had a birdie the eighteenth to become number seventy, the last guy in. And you want a name? There's there's another one. You you want a price? Just like Jim Herman was the last guy to make the cut a couple weeks ago, and he won. Uh, Louie had a birdie 18 in the dark, and he had like a he got it on in two, but he had like a 45 feet to two putt, and he slid the first one by by four feet. He poured that thing in, the sigh of relief and the fist bump to the caddy. I mean, that's big for this guy. That's you know that's printing money. That's that's another week with big money on the line. Louie Ustazen, last guy in playing good golf. Uh, at, eight, at 60 to 1, sure, there's a guy, uh, you know, but I, 
I don't know, buddy. It's a golf tournament. I get it. You know, and I am not a chalk eater. I am anything but a chalk eater. I'm shooting for the moon all the time. I, I think it's wasted money this week. I, I think take your whole bankroll, whatever, if you, whatever you invest. You know, if you, if you bet 100 bucks in a golf tournament, you're spreading around 15 bucks here on this guy, and then you reload on Friday. Take the whole enchilada, whatever you usually bet on a golf tournament, put it on Dustin Johnson. Well, like you said, I mean, at least you've got matchups available. You've got things like top 20s. I think a guy like Cameron Champ for a top 20 is not a bad play. He's second in strokes gained off the tee this year. Uh, Corey Connors is another one of those guys. He's kind of the light version of Hideki Matsuyama in that he's not as good of a ball striker, but he's just as bad of a putter. And that's a guy that on a course like this, maybe works his way into the top 20, possibly a long shot for a top 10 in the you know, five, six to one range, something like that. That's probably the approach you want to take this week. Pick a couple of the big names because this is a big bombers course, but then you can find some matchups and, you know, hey, look, I mean, a lot of times, you know, it's hard to pick one out of 70 guys to win it. It's a lot easier to pick four or five guys to win oh, matchups or three balls. Listen, and, and I'll tell you, I, I got out in the golf tournament last week. I had, um, I had Matthew Wolf who imploded on Sunday. You know, he was in contention going to the week. And every guy, had, first of all, the tournament was over. I mean, on Sunday, all they put up, yes, no, will Dustin Johnson win? But they put Dustin Johnson up minus $1.20 against Harris English. And the number made sense in that all he's got to do is shoot at the middle of greens, you know, and not screw up and have, you know, <laughs> I played Dustin Johnson. I said I, he, he was flag hunting. He's flag hunting with a six shot lead. I mean, it was you know, it, it's you know the other thing with matchups too are, are fade. Sometimes it's who do you not like? And believe me, I want to say a bouquet, I sent a bouquet of roses to Kalamaro Kawa. I had him at fifty to one in the PGA. He was a fade to the moon last week. First tournament back from the PGA Championship. Young guy, first major. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, you know, guys that win that first major, sometimes this guy ain't disappearing, don't get me wrong. But his first tournament back, not for me. He didn't make the cut. I mean, so the, all these things that are normally in play are in play inside the tournament. I just, I cannot, I just can't envision anything other than Dustin Johnson. I really can't. All right, so we go to Daytona where the Coke Zero Sugar 400 comes out and it could be anybody this week. I mean, it's a Daytona race. You've got the playoff implications, guys trying to get in, guys trying to you know get extra bonus points, stuff like that. But before we get into the breakdown of this race specifically, you got to give props to NASCAR. I mean, they got through their 26 regular season races. It took a lot of maneuvering. It took a lot of buy-in from the teams and the drivers to run back-to-backs, like what we saw last weekend at Dover. This is a NASCAR season that everybody will remember. We'll remember everything about 2020 for better or worse. But, man, you got to give major props to the drivers and the teams and everybody involved with this. I I can't believe they got through the completion of the regular season and they've gotten themselves to the playoffs here with what has been a dramatic and unique and competitive NASCAR season. Incredible. Uh, it's It's been a, a joy. And, and the... Then you get the intrigue of back-to-back races and, and things of that nature. And then now you, you start here, and then you end here going into the playoffs. Uh, what am I missing? L- Logano's the 8-1 to favorite, but, uh, you know, 
Denny Hamlin <laughs> runs really well here. But as we, hey, we, Ryan Newman should have won the Daytona 500, right? I mean, let's, oh, yeah. let's, let's call it like it is. And they had the horrific accident. So, yes, anybody uh, in a restrictor plate race, uh, and I, I think you can swing for the fences here. I mean, you know, Logano is really good at being there at the end of races, and he's actually the favorite in this thing. A guy I think that could be really sneaky good here, there's two of them. And, boy, the price, the, the odds makers are on this. If you wanted price plays, I think Benedetto uh, can be really good here in this restrictor plate race, and he's got a lot on the line. He, he's got to win, basically. And I really think that Tyler Reddick's going to win a race. You know, obviously we're at the end of the season, uh, but but this kid's going to make a name for himself on this circuit. If you you know we already saw the Cole Custer grenade go off earlier in the year, but in a restrictor plate race where it's just it's pedal to the metal, I, I look at a couple guys at twenty five to one to Benedetto and Reddick that I'd take a look at. Yeah, I like those two. I especially like the Reddick shot. In fact, I'm even seeing forty to one out there in the offshore market. Another guy in that range who runs really well in these plate races is Austin Dillon. He's thirty three to one, and he has nothing to play for this week except getting extra bonus points. He got that win earlier in the year at Texas, a very surprising win for him. So he's already in. So he can just go all out if he wants to here. Certainly you'd like to try to keep the car intact as much as you possibly can. But it's Daytona. There's going to be wrecks. There are going to be crashes. The pit crews are going to be very, very busy heading into Darlington next week. And you, know, you got three short track races in the round of 16 with Darlington, Richmond, and then Bristol. So you know, that's going to be very tight racing here. I like the way they kind of structured the playoff format a little bit here. But if I'm Austin Dillon, I mean, I'm going for a win here. You know, I really am. I'm going to try and go out there and get myself some extra bonus points. Be ultra aggressive because I know I'm not a short track guy. I'm not coming out of the round of 16. The only way I can try to get through the round of 16 is to get myself some extra bonus points now. So I think that's a guy who's going to drive very aggressively here on Saturday. And if you want the uh, the Hollywood story, he's a great guy. He's been on uh, my radio show a few times. Michael Gaughan's son, who uh, runs the South Point, and I'm assuming it's a South Point car he'll be in. Uh, it's Brendan Gaughan's last race. He's retiring. And in he almost was at Talladega last year. He was right there at the end. In the restrictor plate race, I mean, he literally was maybe leading even with like four laps to go. And but, but you know, the Hollywood story guy's last race, two hundred to one. But uh, he's a great guy. Um, that, that'd be an awesome story. But in but the crazy thing is, in restrictor plate racing, Adam, it, it this isn't Talladega, but the same things in play. The big accident where you know sixteen of the best cars get knocked out. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting there with a two-lap shootout at the end on a restart. And if you're sitting, you know, sitting in third or fourth, and the right car behind you pushes you to the front, you know, these cars are all equalized, uh, you know, in a race like this. So literally, you know, anything can happen. The price isn't good, and I bet in both races at Dover, thinking that, you know, maybe there's a chance that that he finds his way up there. And, of course, Hamlin and Harvick, you know, chalkier guys win the two races at Dover. But Jimmy Johnson, fourth, seventh, and third in his last three races. The price is terrible this week at 20-1. to It just is. But 
can you imagine, you know, the playoffs of this guy's last year as a full-time driver, not having him eligible? I mean, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist kind of guy, and I've talked about this a little bit in my write-ups, but I don't know. Is, is there some way that somebody just pushes this guy to the front? Oh, I no. I mean, he's he's been competitive. He's I, he's had bad luck. He's had a lot of a lot of bad luck this year. Um, I I think I would also say there's a chance that he comes back next year. There's Just because of the way this year played out. Yeah, you know that it was this thing, and I it was my big going away thing, and you know, no fans. So. I mean, the Hollywood story is, you know, Jimmy Johnson wins this thing. Uh, but part of me says he's not done. That I, I, I can, I can really envision him. That makes sense. I mean, I can kind no, of see it. I, I mean, it's not like he's like you know, an also ran. He's, he's, he's been there. He's had a chance on several occasions. The one race, I mean, I, I'm still bitter about it. He was sitting third, uh, on a restart with like three laps or four laps to go, and I had him in a matchup or whatever, and he's sitting right there with a chance to win, and Keselowski spun him out. Uh, I mean, he's been competitive. So I, I, there's just a, a big part of me saying he's going to say, you know what, I I want to I go out on my terms, and my terms is go out and, and enjoy this and, and, and thank the fans and say, because there weren't fans, I'm coming back for another year. That's me. I could be wrong. No, I think that's fair. I think that definitely makes sense. As always, lots of good thoughts on today's show from Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Outline, as well as the Golf Betting Podcast and the Hockey Betting Podcast. Brian, how can people check out all the work that you're involved with? Uh, yeah, it's uh, go to hockeyanalytics.com. <laughs> and, uh, Natural stat trick. Is, yeah, is, yeah. It, yeah is, is this my last podcast? Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, I'll never get off that. Uh, hey, it, it doesn't have to be a love fest every week, buddy. No, of course not. <laughs> uh, no, at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Uh, we'll have all. I put the links for all the stuff up there. You want to listen live, noon to 2, kshp.com. Um, really good stuff on the hockey show from 1 to 2, and, of course, Sportsbook uh, Radio, uh, the top sportsbook directors in town. Um, and, we, you know, we're, hey, we're, we're getting back, bud. I mean, think what, think what's coming up. And, and honestly, we're excited. We're, we're going to start doing videos again here, and we're getting back on the beam. But, I mean, we've got the Kentucky Derby. We've got the U.S. Open. We've got the Masters. The NFL's coming. The hockey, the hoops has been been good. Baseball's kind of up and down. But, honestly, when you're watching the baseball games, the baseball games are good. We're getting there. We're getting there, man. Yeah, we definitely are. And uh, definitely getting there over on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. Make sure you follow him for all of his great content and insights. Brian, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining me, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, Adam. Always good, bud. Have a good day. There you go. There's Brian Blessing, and at Brian Blessing on Twitter, Sportsbook Radio, Vegas Hockey Hotline, all the other things that Brian is involved with. I'll be back on Thursday with a new edition of the Betters Box, talking all things Major League Baseball. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again on Thursday.